0: Welcome to Learned Lag, a podcast about yesterday's Learned League questions and answers. I'm Amanda.
1: And I'm George. Amanda and I are both in Zephyr B. This is season 24 for me and season 20 for Amanda.
0: And this is day 20 of season 92. Our first question uh, asks us what the letters in TDC stand for in the context of auto engines.
1: So the, I guess, key to this one is it is not a lifestyle question or a science question. It is a film question. Mm. Uh, because the only reason I know this is uh, in Marissa Tomei's uh, testimony in My Cousin Vinny, when the DA is trying to trap her uh, to convince the jury that she is not really an expert on auto mechanics, uh, he asks her about the alignment or something and part of her answer is some number of degrees from top dead center. Hmm. And I think... uh, I think we're approaching like the 30th anniversary of my cousin Vinny. I just read an oral history on the movie ah. that was quite entertaining sure. as of course was the movie. Uh, so I don't know whether that was fresher in my mind or whether I've just always remembered that top dead center is a thing in, uh, auto repair or mechanics.
0: Yeah. So for my part, i probably have seen my cousin Vinny, I don't know, let's say one and three quarters times, uh, in my life. Um, which is weird cuz it was pretty popular and and um you know and pretty good and it just was not something i i happened to have watched despite it being all over comedy central and stuff for years it's it's
1: one of those shawshank type movies that's just constantly on cable somewhere
0: yeah but i i just haven't found myself in a position to see it that much um so i had to try to figure out you know from the stuff in the question um like, what in the world this could refer to. And I just was left trying to figure out, like, you know, what could T, D, and C stand for? I ended up with total distance combustion, because I was like, it's an internal combustion engine, um, and it appears we're talking about the total distance of the um, piston from the crankshaft. So, yeah, just just a sheer guess there.
1: Reasonable. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's one of those things where, like, that seems like too slangy a term to actually mm-hmm. become a term and yeah get an acronym and and well, be like I, the official thing but... i feel
0: like i mean despite having seen the movie mm-hmm. i just kind of glossed that oh, yeah. speech of hers as blah 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 technical stuff that mm-hmm. that proves to the world oh, yeah. that i know this yeah absolutely um and so i i never took in exactly what she was saying about things um and so i, I have never had any other possible context in which to hear of this? Yep. Um, so yeah, total loss there.
1: Mm-hmm. But it was top dead center. Mm-hmm. Question two asks us for the only spoken language ever to be revived from extinction.
0: Yeah, and and notes how many people speak it worldwide, and that it's an official language of one nation. Um, so with those things in mind, the first thing that came to mind for me was Gaelic, because I thought you know, I know they had to kind of keep teaching Gaelic in schools in Ireland after, you know, there was the the English, you know, occupiers kept trying to um, eradicate it or, or, you know, have people not use it and so on. Um, And then I thought, well, no, it never was really extinct, though. It was just kind of, you know, shunned, basically. um, And uh, you know, if I'm mischaracterizing that, it, you know, to anybody, I apologize. This is just kind of my impression of it. Um, but I did know that, you know, there were textbooks and things that, you know, had been created from, um, uh, you know, people who still spoke the language. It, it wasn't that it was completely gone and then had to be brought back. So, uh, then I thought, oh, well, what about, um, Uh, Hebrew in Israel because that as I recall was not a spoken language when it when Israel was um, created I guess in the 20th century Um, and I thought that sounds right like as far as spoken by over 9 million people worldwide um, just the fact of that indicating a big diaspora of people who have you know, um, it's it's one nation's official language, and presumably a relatively small one because nine million total is not that many. Um, but the fact that it's indicated as a worldwide language um, tells me that it's it's talking about the Jewish diaspora, where you know uh, lots, or I should say the Israeli diaspora, um, not necessarily um, uh, like it's it's not a daily spoken language for um that many jewish people that i know of anyway um once i thought of hebrew i thought yeah that sounds right because i i recall that it was not you know a language in use until it was kind of brought back when when israel was established uh, as a country in the previous century so i put down hebrew
1: i remember reading one of those fun facts almanac type books a when i was a kid so this would have been late 70s early 80s um and one of them was specifically about how hebrew had been resurrected for lack of a better term mm. uh and that part of that was kids would go to school learn hebrew spoken hebrew mm-hmm. and then come back to their homes and tell and teach their parents ah. uh, and you know it was it was strongly encouraged to use it in the home even for these families who had returned to Israel after it was officially established in the forties, interesting, um, and that part of part of the uh, building of a national identity was a lot of emphasis on this. So people were encouraged to speak Hebrew at home, even as they were learning it.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: Yeah, so I I knew this almost immediately, and then I had the backup of pretty much any time you hear about only one country doing something,
0: mm-hmm. there's a
1: really good chance it's Israel. Okay because they're tell me more about that there there was one a couple of a season or two ago about uh covid vaccination okay where it was like you know the it was, it was like the most vaccinated country or like the only one oh. over a certain threshold yeah, and, quite possibly, yeah. you know since it's it's unique in so many aspects of its formation its identity its its actions and such like sure um that's not a it's it's certainly not the only nation that is the only nation too, Mm -hmm. but it's a good, it's a good one to remember because you don't often think of it in a lot of contexts. Okay. So, so yeah, I, I had this one as Hebrew, uh, pretty, pretty early on.
0: And that was the correct answer. Question three gives us the names of several of the 225 components of a particular stock market index and asks us to name it.
1: So the, the, the key into this one for me was ANA Holdings. ANA is uh, a Japanese airline. Okay. Um, I believe Air Nippon. Sure. Or something Airway All Nippon Airways, something like that. Right. So, so that to me was like, oh, okay. The are these all Japanese companies? I think Canon might be. I think Sharp Olympus might be. Okay. And I thought, okay, what newspaper would have calculated a stock market index starting in 1950, just post World War II? As the result of a big economic transformation in that country, ah, which kind of was the the second leg in the stool of oh okay this is probably from Japan, and then I thought okay what is the Japanese stock market? The Japanese stock market is called the Nikkei, or at least this particular uh, aspect index is called the Nikkei, and I kind of had to talk myself out of well no that's just the name of the Japanese stock market, oh. but then I but then I thought well. The Dow Jones isn't the name of the American <laughs> stock market, so why wouldn't it be, you know, named after something else that you know presumably takes a subsection of the stock market like the Dow does, like Nasdaq does. Um, so sure, we'll we'll go with the the Nikkei.
0: So this one, I you know, I don't really have a list of um, stock exchange indices at my fingertips. Um, and I thought, okay, this is not going to be like the Dow Jones industrial average because that's the whole, you know, wall street stock market. And I didn't recognize these as being all Japanese companies, I guess. I thought Bridgestone, Canon, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, various other ones might just be, um, I, I didn't really think about that as a common link between all of those. And I, maybe I should have thought harder about that um, but I thought you know I I think I know what this is referring to and uh, I thought it'll come to me and what came to me was the S&P which is Standard and Poor's mm-hmm. which I thought oh well yeah that's I think that's like an economics newspaper of some kind as well um, the 1950 didn't really swing me one way or the other as as far as that went but it didn't you know, that was the thing I could think of effectively, and and that's what I ended up putting down because I would never have gotten. I've heard of the Nikkei average or whatever, but I I don't think about it on a daily basis unless it's mentioned to me. It's yeah. not something that I um, have in mind. Is I don't know. I just don't think of it that much. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Uh, except if I happen to catch you know a snippet of CNBC or some nonsense like that. Um, so yeah, I just put down S and P thinking that's, that's about the, the best guess I can make.
1: Fair, fair. But it was the Nikkei. Sure. Question four asks us what Canadian rock music artist released an album named Trans.
0: Right. And talks a lot about its electronic sound and the use of a vocoder and, and so on. And the only artist I could think of who I think is Canadian and that I know of has used a vocoder is Peter Frampton. I don't know if he's really Canadian, but he, he strikes me as Canadian, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Um, this is just a, a piece of music history that I don't know about. Um, and so I put down Frampton cause I was like, none of this is cluing me into any further insights mm-hmm. whatsoever. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, the, most of the people I can think of who might have used these electronic devices at the time were like already new wave or electronic kind of artists like Brian Eno, I, you know, mm-hmm. that's sure, but he was not, he didn't start out as like a rock musician. He was, he's kind of always been an experimental electronic artist. And so I thought, well, I can think of that thing on, you know, what is it? Frampton comes alive or whatever, where he uses, uh-huh. um, I think it's a, it's not, exactly is it a vocoder i can't remember if Uh. that's what he uses um but in any case that's you know that was the best guess i had so that put down frampton
1: sure uh so i keyed in on the title of the album trans Mm -hmm. and thought there was a famous trans female electronic music pioneer Mm. back in the day and uh so I thought, that, that was Wendy Williams, right? <clears throat> oh. So I said Williams.
0: Okay.
1: Spoiler. No, that was Wendy Carlos, ah. who for some reason occupies the same space in my head as William Carlos Williams <laughs> and Wendy O. Williams of the oh, Plasmatics. It. Yeah, that's
0: who it is.
1: Plasmatics? Plastics? One of those. Plasmatics. Plasmatics, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, was go- I was off on the wrong track and still ended up in the wrong destination uh. on that track. So, yeah. Never,
0: never found him that. I I should
1: have said Carlos, it, but I, I ended up saying Williams, and it was... Neil Young. Yeah. So, okay. The clue there being Canadian, the other clue being oh. current availability on streaming services is limited, because he has oh, famously pulled a lot of his stuff off of various <clears throat> streaming services for various reasons over the years.
0: Right.
1: So, yeah.
0: <sighs> oh, well. Moving on. Um... Question five asks us about a set of feminine singular Spanish nouns and asks kind of what sets them apart from other ones.
1: Yeah, I uh, I just I missed this one. I just didn't didn't ever get to where what it was going for, mm-hmm. uh, which is silly because I took Spanish for a few years in junior high and high school, um, mm-hmm. but then stopped and. Mm-hmm. Apparently forgot all the good stuff. <laughs> I remember what a lot of words mean, but not not a lot of the grammar. Apparently, so I I just figured, well, maybe these are in some way irregular. I don't know if you really have irregular nouns. I guess you can mm-hmm. I'm like plurals. Um, so I figured I R.
0: Okay, in a certain sense, you can only have regular nouns because irregular is an adjective. <laughs> um. But this is one that I did happen to know. I also took several years of Spanish in high school and college. And um, maybe just having that a couple years more recent helped. I don't know. Um, The thing about these nouns is that they use L for their definite article instead of LA. And part of that, at least, is just kind of a function of... um, speech and sound because it's harder to articulate la agua or la alma than it is el agua or el alma. It slows you down. It's harder to, to enunciate properly. Um, and you know, el hombre is the same because the H is not pronounced. Um, so, you know, essentially these ones that start with a or the silent H, uh, and then in a kind of sound, Um, it's just harder to pronounce la in front of, and so you use L instead. And the key here that really clinched it for me is the phrasing of the question where it says um, that this thing can be definitely articulated Mm -hmm. using what two letters. So we're talking about the definite article, and that is definitely L-E-L.
1: So I would argue that if you if a word takes... The masculine definite article, then it is a masculine word
0: and is and no yet, longer no. feminine.
1: Nope. How do you identify it as feminine if it takes the masculine article?
0: I don't know. Ask Spanish.
1: I will do that. <laughs> uh, question six asks us what sport originally used floating barrels and paddles when it was invent- invented in Great Britain in the 1870s?
0: Yeah. So this one, after um, I had a, a fleeting thought of of submitting fox hunting as a joke. Um, <laughs> you know obviously a a sport that you are playing in water. so um, I you know I, I initially thought, was this something about like rowing or crew or something like that, or even yachting? like did you know were those barrels there to mark off the the race areas? Did you have to come around a turn around them or something like that? I thought, no, that doesn't sound quite, you know, like crew. Um, And certainly in crew or rowing or whatever, you still use paddles, even if they're called oars or something like that. Mm -hmm. That kind of paddle, I think, obviously would still be in use. So um, I thought about then, you know, so what are other sports that you're playing like in the water? And there's really kind of only one. It's water polo. And it occurred to me, um, you know, the fact of there being a paddle, like maybe something that someone is uh, wearing over their hand in order to, um, to to put to, you know, hit the ball or throw the, the ball around. Um, and similarly, the floating barrels, I it re- put me in mind of regular polo for for whatever reason. Like it, it it sort of seemed like these were things that would make the sport kind of analogous to polo as it was played on land. And then as the, the sport was played in water and they became less, you know, you know, they were supplanted or whatever by other equipment, I guess, I don't know. Um, and so I thought, you know, that made enough of a level of sense. It's not, this is not something that I, you know, knew as a fact in itself. Um, but I thought, yeah, water polo certainly seems like a sport that the British would think up because it's a form of polo, um, or it's at least named after that. And um, I just thought, yeah, that seems like, sure. Why why wouldn't that be the answer? Uh, it it kind of all hangs together, so I put down water polo.
1: Uh, yeah, great. Great logic there. I did not <laughs> have any logic. Um, oh, I tried to imagine... Uh, something that would use this and was like some kind of kayaking for Mm, mm -hmm. slalom gates and the like. And, and just finally I thought maybe surfing, like I know the sport originated in the Pacific as such, but then I thought, well, maybe the British stole it, codified it and, (laughs) you know, then dumbed it down for people who did not grow up (laughs) on the ocean and like, okay, you know, used paddles like for paddle boarding I oh, yeah. um, And then the, the barrels for marking out courses and the like. Uh, and just <laughs> couldn't think of what else that might be called other than surfing. So, sure.
0: Okay. The correct answer was water polo. Yeah. So that gave us both three on the day, but yeah. oddly, three kind of very uh, different ones. Yeah, so we different. Like three. Shared, we, one, we shared one uh, answer, which is a little unusual, I'd yep. say. Yep. Um. Yeah, I don't think I was going to going to worm my way into any of the three that i missed i these were largely new. yeah to me.
1: yeah i could i could see the answers uh i i could i could see where they came from and i could see what mm-hmm. how we were supposed to be led to them sure but it, they just they weren't happening for me today it's the yeah. it's the the daylight savings time
0: it's definitely partly that yeah um because uh well i mean it's definitely that for you I just kind of didn't know these things super well. (laughs) Um, The Nikkei, you know, is the only one that could have been within my grasp in terms of having heard of it before. You know, the Neil Young thing, the availability on streaming services limited, made me think, well, that's because this sucked. Or, (laughs) yeah, basically, it says it was a polarizing release, so, like... Mm -hmm. Some people really hated it yeah. and maybe others loved it or whatever. Yeah. But like, that's the kind of thing that, right. you know, probably doesn't sell well and doesn't mm-hmm. come back and as a classic, you know? Yeah.
1: Like, I don't know what the streaming availability of Lou Reed's Metal Machine music is. Uh, and uh, that album just straight up sucks. Mm. I mean, it was designed to suck.
0: Right. So, yeah, I, I don't think I was uh, getting much farther on this. On the plus side, at least I got a game sport question. Mm-hmm um and uh and language i'm not probably getting much for so good luck to me maybe i'll get a a three or four points out of this (laughs) this sad performance
1: yeah that's what i'm hoping for too
0: i can only hope my opponent also has a sad performance (laughs) not that i really wish that on anybody but i mean except my opponents on days that i'm playing them y'all can excel all you like on the other days sure fair and that's it for today uh, tune in tomorrow for more postgame analysis.
1: Follow us on Twitter at L-R-N-D-L-G. That's Learned League Without the Vowels. And remember, don't forfeit, don't cheat.